Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, church. Before I forget, as I usually tend to only stick to the Word of God, so I forget all the other things, which is not a bad thing, but uh, Fall Festival, next Sunday, a week from today, 5 o'clock, bring some food, we'll eat it. <laughs> now, same as always, you know, soups and chilies and things like that, and cakewalks a big hit with the kids and a lot of the adults, so you can never have enough cakes and things like that to give away with a cakewalk, so... Just, just bring whatever, whatever you would, whatever you can, whatever you will. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, about a month ago, um, I invited one of my friends to, to speak today, to preach today, to bring the word today. Now, a month ago, I didn't know, have any clue at all what, <clears throat> excuse me, what we'd be in the middle of. Um, I don't plan series. I don't know weeks and months in advance. It's a, you know, I may, I know when the Holy Spirit leads us in a direction, we'll probably be there a few weeks or possibly even a few months. And uh, so a month ago, I didn't know where we'd be today. But if you've been here, you know where we've been. And uh, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. We talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the difference between in the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit because there is a difference. We talked about the three baptisms, and last week we were in Acts 2 for a, a while and talked about that pure language that was restored. Amen. Amen. Praise your name. And um, so Brad is going to pick up where I left off. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And I'll be honest with you, um, I don't even know, well, I, I can't even count on one hand uh, that many preachers that I know that I would let pick up where I left off in this particular area, and that's the truth. He's one of them. Thank you, Paul. And it's really cool because me and him Thank are five, you, six, Paul. seven years old here together in like children's <laughs> that's church. That's pretty cool. We didn't even know each other because we were only five. And then uh, 40 years later, Amen. here we are. Praise God. Amen. It's Thank like you, God Jesus. knows what he's doing or so something. Cool. Amen. Amen. Thank you does. So come on, Brad. Amen. Praise your name, Father. Love you, Pastor. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. I uh, won't promise how long I'll stay up here. So I know y'all video this. Is it a mess everybody's flow up if I come down there? No. Does that hurt anybody? Is that okay? Because uh, I just don't like distance. Amen. Uh, at all. Uh, I like looking at people. We were called a a long time ago, amen, you can um, and pay attention to people's faces because you can see when faith arises in people's hearts. Amen. The Spirit of God and the faith of God is a visible thing. Amen. Your faith and the fire that you hold is not something you hold by yourself and it's not something that you hold just within you. Come on now. Amen. I know I just popped the clutch on us just a little bit. Amen. Uh, but God has a very, very, very special plan for this church family. Amen. Every time I walked in a month ago and felt it so strong and it hit again today. Amen. Remember, you are a voice and not an echo. Remember, you are a presence and not a shadow. Amen. You are not forgotten. Amen. And you are not behind. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But God planted you as a church family when I was a boy, 
when your pastor was a boy and he's not forgotten you and he's not left you. Amen. You were the first of a long line of people to bring what is called Pentecost to this area. Amen. You were the first of a church family to bring what was called believing in the word of faith, which means just believing in the word of God for what it is and standing on it and living in it. You were the first, the first of many. And God never forgets the firstborn. Come on now. This is for you. God never forgets the firstborn. He actually says the firstborn has a double blessing. The firstborn has a double honor. Because the firstborn is responsible to lead and to teach those that would follow. Amen. That's you. Amen. That's this church. Amen. I, I, I know we haven't seen each other in 40 years. Amen. But I started here. I began with you, with your pastor as a little boy. Amen. So don't despise who you are. And don't forget who you are. Amen. So if you'll go with me, and, and Miss Jackie, I know I'll, I'll try to, but God wants to do something first that came during worship. Go to, to, uh, to Romans, the 12th chapter. And again, um, if you will, um, pay attention to what the Spirit of the Lord would say to you here. Because this wasn't in any of the notes at all <laughs> that I thought we'd be sharing on. But in Romans, the 12th chapter, and just a little bit to, to help you to teach you, when you're reading through the New Testament, when you're reading through the letters, there's always turning points you're looking for, especially in the Apostle Paul. He would always write and he would say, listen, this is what the gospel is, and this is what the gospel will do for you. And then he always in the verses makes a turn. He says, now because of the gospel, this is what will be produced in you. Does that make sense? It's, it's visible much in the book of Ephesians because it's right down the middle. The first three chapters of that letter. This is what the gospel is. This is what Jesus did for you and I. This is what it means to be a believer. This is what happened. You were accepted. You were beloved. You were made holy. You were given an inheritance. You were made righteous. Right? You were done. These things were done for you through the gospel. And then in chapter 4, he makes a turn. He says, now, therefore, because of what the gospel has done, this is who you will be. So you're always, when you're reading in the, in, the, in the scriptures, you're reading for what has the gospel done, and then what will the gospel do in me? And here in the book of Romans, it happens in the 12th chapter. Paul, for 11 chapters, lays out, this is what the gospel is. But then he turns in chapter 12, and he says, So therefore, my beloved brethren, I beseech you by the mercies of God to present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. And what it means is, is do not fit in with the world around you without thought and just out of habit. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you want to change your life in any area, you have to change what you think. It never begins with action. It always begins with meditation. And that's especially true of things of the Spirit. If you want to see your life transformed from a spiritual perspective, it begins with, okay, Father, I want to think your thoughts. What do you say about the Holy Spirit? What do you say about what your pastor has been leading on about the baptism of the Spirit? 
What are you wanting to produce in my life? And you change the way you think. Does that make sense? So again, if you, if you were like me, I started like many of you. How many of you, you started out Baptist? We love our Baptist brethren. Amen? Wonderful, wonderful folks. Amen? But I was seven years old and I received what was called the baptism of the Spirit. And we and my family got asked to leave our Baptist church. <laughs> and we came here and started hanging out with you guys. Amen? But you know what happens is, and please hear me, I'm, I'm not picking on anyone, but we had to change the way we thought. But as you change the way you thought, you know what happens? You change and you have to be willing to realize I'm going to be different than I was. I have to be willing to accept the thought that as I embrace what God has for me, it will change me. And I have to be okay with how God wants to change me. So I have to think of myself in a new light. I love that song we sang at the end. I am who he says I am. Amen. For years I've said this, you know, if my opinion about me is different than God's opinion about me, I think I'll just stick with God's opinion. Amen. How about you too? Amen. But listen to me, I want to set this up because uh, this is a word for you as a church family, what we're about to do. Here Paul, he continues and he goes on. And if you'll jump with me to verse 9. Paul begins then to describe in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, because of the gospel, this is what you will look like. You will look like, and he gives us some descriptions. He says, in, uh, descriptions, he says, therefore, in verse 9, so let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, give preference to one another. Notice verse 11, and we're going to stop at this verse. There's more we could say. He says, not lagging in diligence, and everyone repeat the next three words, fervent in spirit. Everybody say that. Say fervent in spirit. Come on, you might as well play along with me or I'm going to mess with you. Okay, everybody say fervent in spirit. No, you need to hear yourself say it. Say fervent in spirit. In spirit. Now say this, say, I am fervent in spirit. I am fervent in spirit. Now that word fervent there means a living heat. It means a lively burning. You know, it just turned cold on us and it's fun to watch Facebook. And I've noticed everybody's got the fire pit out now. Everybody's seen the, the plethora of fire pit photos that are out there. Amen. And everybody's enjoying living heat. Listen to me, church family. You are the living heat of God. You are fervent in spirit. It goes here, and, and I'll read this. You don't have to go with me, but in Acts chapter 18, the Bible gives us a description of a man by the name of Apollos. And it says, and I'll just read it, it says in verse 25, it says, And this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and him being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he only knew the baptism of John. Notice this is what it said about Apollos. He said he was fervent in spirit. 
That word means, and in my study Bible, there's the definition, it means a living heat. He was fiery hot. He was full of burning zeal. And then it goes on to say this, it is the opposite of dignified. Church, can we just be delivered from being dignified? Amen. Come on now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Amen. We've all played church. We put the church face on. We even dress up nice. And I'm not even talking about your comportment. I'm talking about it's time to stop being a dignified believer. I'm going to go on this side. Y'all looking at me kind of funny. <laughs> no, it's time to be living with heat for God. It says in the book of Acts that the disciples themselves, it says when they came to a place, it says those who have turned the world upside down have now come to our town. Amen. We are living with the heat of God. John the Baptist, he said, and, and, and Matthew, when he was preaching, he says, there was one who is coming after me. I can't even tie his shoes. He that is coming, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. fire. Do you understand that the moment you decided to follow Jesus Christ, you accepted the reality that he wants to set you ablaze? Because Jesus was not content to just save you. He wanted to set you on fire. He wanted to let you be Pentecost walking. Your pastor talked about it last week. Remember in Acts chapter 2, on that day, they were gathered together in that upper room, and there was a voice from heaven, a sound from heaven, and they were engulfed in flames. Guys, that's you. Hallelujah. You are the living heat of God. Amen. That's who you are. I am who he says I am. You can't help it. So can I encourage you to stop fighting it? Are y'all with me? I'm going over here now. This side's looking all nervous now. Embrace the reality that God has set you on fire. Embrace the reality that the fire of that change is not just for you. Amen. We're going to look at it here, and, and now we'll move in transition. But that is just from the voice of God for this church family. You are ablaze for God for this area. If you'll let God set you on fire, people will come just to watch you burn. And it'll get off on them. Amen. Can I say this with you? The reason why what we're talking about is important, and we'll talk about this, is so when the baptism of the Spirit came in Acts chapter 2, you, you heard last week what happened, right? That sound came. They were engulfed with fire. And then they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's always been interesting to me that the very first instance we see that the Holy Spirit comes upon the life of the believer, the first thing he wanted control of was their mouth. The first thing he went after was their tongue. 
because he still needs a voice in the earth. Guys, can I see that? That's why quiet and Christian are opposite terms from each other. And they all got quiet on me. Amen. Y'all don't get real used to this, okay? I mean, he went after, remember Jesus, there was a number of times Jesus freed people, it says, from a deaf and dumb or mute spirit. Do you remember those instances? He turned to that, that father, brought his little boy, and the little boy was deaf and dumb. Do you understand that the, the same thing, the devil is after your mouth? And the devil is endeavoring to quiet us, to quiet you. But when the baptism comes on you, he goes right after that mouth because he needs your voice in your world. See, again, you were created in the image of God. You were made in his likeness. And our father is a being who creates not with his hands, but he creates with his words. Throughout the, the, the story of the Genesis account, it says, And God said, Let there be, and it was. And he showed us that his pattern of creation is he would speak and things would happen. And then he turned around and he made you and I directly in his image. Come on now. Amen. Amen. Do you understand that you, like it says in Hebrews chapter 11 around the third verse, that you frame your world with your words? That you have a power and that's why the Spirit wants your mouth. That's why He wants your voice. Because He has a will that He wants to exercise into this earth, but He needs your mouth to create. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, y'all looking all kind of scared. I think I scared everybody red. I'm sorry. Amen. Oh, good. Amen. I encourage you so much. Yield. But what I mean by yield is not be quiet. It's speak. You're a voice and not an echo. I was talking to Brother Brian. There have been things spoken from here that in the eternal world, they're still echoing. They're still going out. That voice is still traveling into the earth. Join the voice. Speak, create, form, shape what you want to see for the kingdom of God. Amen. Let me just, now we're just totally, sorry, Miss Jackie, I know. At some point we'll get to the message, maybe, I don't know. I mean, do you understand? See, you're a, you're a three-part being. You're principally a spirit. That's the part of you that was transformed when you were born again. You have what the scripture calls a soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, your interests, your passions, your desires. That's your soul. And you live in a physical body. But the core of you is the spirit of God. If you're here and you've received Jesus, if I could and I could peel away your soul and your flesh from you and let you see your spirit, you look just like Christ. Amen. <laughs> That's who you are. 
So one-third of you is wall-to-wall Holy Spirit. Amen. That's a wonderful thought. But because of that, it says, and again, you are seated in heavenly places. So, and I still don't know if I can know in my own mind how to say or communicate this, is so you are with Christ in heaven by the Spirit right now. And he, by the Spirit, is here with you in the earth right now. So, you know, we always say, you know, it's impossible to be at two places at one time unless you're united to Jesus. And then it seems possible. So the Bible says that there are three heavens. It describes them. It says the one here, this plane we live in, the physical world, the natural world, space, all this kind of stuff, this is the first heaven. But Paul said of himself, he said he knew of a man about 13 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, he did not know who traveled to the third heaven meaning where God's presence was and is and saw himself, right? So that means if there's a first heaven and there's a third heaven, then by deduction there must be a second heaven, which appears to be a realm where angelic and demonic activity take place. But you are connected to two of those worlds. I want you to think about that. You are connected to the third heaven and the first heaven. And by the power of the Spirit, you get to bring things from the third heaven into the first heaven through the gate of your mouth. Hallelujah. That's why you can't let the devil keep you quiet. Now, come on, we're practicing. That's why when a a crazy guy that your pastor invites to come up and says, I need you to say something, I'm not doing it so you make me feel better. I'm doing it to get you used to being loud. Because through the traditions of men, we have been told we need to be quiet and reverent and dignified. But you can't be dignified and be the living heat of God. Does that make sense? Because you understand, see, that fire, you know, fire makes a noise, right? Fire makes a sound. It crackles, it pops, it burns. If it gets bigger, it gets louder. If you've ever, I've never experienced it, but I've heard if you've been to like a house fire, they call it what? It's a raging inferno because it's loud. Anybody ever experienced anything like that and you've heard that? Some of you have seen that maybe a house fire, unfortunately, but you've that's you. Do you see the, why God chose that fire analogy? And why that the first sign that you've stepped into the fire of God is that he begins to enable you to say things and to declare things and to speak things because he's giving you the practice to prophesy Amen. Amen. Okay. Y'all got all, everybody all right? Amen. Just look to the person next to you and says, I think he's talking to you. (laughs) Amen. If you're willing, just say, Lord, I want everything you've got. 
I want everything you've got, Father. Amen. Because it truly does matter. I mean, now, as we're moving forward and to share what I wanted, I thought earlier, all this other stuff I've been saying, I guess is free. It's for you. Amen. What helps us and what I I felt like I wanted to say, because I know there may be some here that all this talk of the Holy Spirit might be new to you. You know, jokingly, I say sometimes we have what's called the three three stooges mentality about the Trinity. Now, some of you younger people, anybody know who the three stooges are? I mean, anybody do not know who the three stooges are? Anybody here like, what is this? Everybody knows the three stooges? You remember Moe, Larry, Curly? Y'all remember those guys? If you were like me, you grew up watching the three stooges, old reruns. But many people think that God the Father is like Moe. Right? He's just mad and he's smacking everybody around. Right? And then they think that Jesus is like Larry. He's just there trying to keep Mo under control. And unfortunately, many people think that the Holy Spirit, he's like Curly. He's just going to make you go, whoa, 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 and spin around on the floor <laughs> and do crazy stuff. Right, Mason? I mean, that sometimes why... Any, how many of you, come on, how many of you ran into a creepy, crazy Pentecostal Christian? <laughs> Walk up to you, start talking in tongues real loud in the middle of some public place. Amen. Some of you might have gone to churches where we were pew jumping, laughing, shouting, dancing. Amen. Sometimes it, it just, it can go, but man, that's just weird. Amen. Here's the thing. You know why it's weird? Because we don't talk about it. How many of you watched Alabama play last night? Anybody watch Alabama and Georgia? Hallelujah. We were praying, interceding there until that interception <laughs> happened. Amen. I was there with Tony and stuff. We were, amen. And Tony got mad because I like close games. I have to tell him Tony and I always walk in and say, well, I hope it's a close one. And Tony says, shut up, Brad. Last time you said that, Alabama got beat. It's all that stuff. But you know why football is real comfortable to us? Because we talk about it all the time. We think about it all the time. Even when it's not football season, we're talking about the next football season. You know, so for 10 years, my wife and I lived in Canada, and they play hockey. You know, for a while, that was really weird. Right? It was strange to me. It was odd. It was uncomfortable. You'd go to things, and people would shout, and you wouldn't know what to do. And then about the time you think you know what's going on, you'd shout and people look at you and go, that's the wrong time to shout. We're, you, know. <laughs> you know, and sometimes the things with the Holy Spirit, it's like that for us in church. It's weird just because we don't talk about it a lot. We treat the Holy Spirit like that crazy relative we only want over at Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? You're glad when they're come and you're really glad when they go home. <laughs> Amen. But the Holy Spirit is the part of God that is active and alive in the earth today. You know, we say things like, I asked Jesus into my heart. You know that you didn't do that, right? You accepted what Christ did, and when you believed in Jesus, the Holy Spirit came and indwelled your heart. Jesus is still seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. But the Holy Spirit is alive and the one who came and lived inside of you. 
Amen. And the Holy Spirit has two primary operations in life. I'm, I'm going to pick on Pastor Red just for a little bit if he'll let me. I've, I've been able now to know Red in his two works. Many of y'all know that, that Red does Red built construction and he builds things. How many have ever experienced some of Red's building? He's come and worked on your house. I mean, he does good work, doesn't he? I mean, he does real good work. Well, you've experienced one of the works of Red. But how many of you know he does something else? He pastors you. It's another work. How many of you have experienced that? Now, everybody should raise their hand. Play along now. Be nice. Amen. Everyone's experienced that. Everyone's experienced good pastoring from Red. But those are two works. Same person, two works. The two works aren't opposite of one another. They're not contrary to one another. They're not against one another. Well, the Holy Spirit is the same thing. He has two works that he does in the life of every person who will believe. The first work is what we call the work of regeneration. It's the work where he comes and he lives within you. Right? When you accepted Christ, he moved into you. Go to John chapter 14, if you will, this morning. And we'll pick up some pace here. Holy Spirit has always helped me. John chapter 14 and verse 16. Here Jesus speaking and he says this. He says, I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper. And that word another means someone just like me. Someone exactly like me. I'll give you another helper and he will abide with you forever. Verse 17, he is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you will know him because he will dwell with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. How did Jesus not leave us orphans? He came to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. So every person who has accepted what Jesus has done, the fact that Jesus is God, the fact that Jesus died on the cross for all of your sins, the fact that he rose again from the dead and gave you his life, and the fact that he's coming again for you, those core beliefs we say, when you believe those things from your heart, the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and as Pastor Red said, he baptizes you into Christ. He immerses you into Christ, and Christ envelops you, and you are filled with that Spirit in you. Does that make sense? Jesus, earlier in John, said uh, to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, around verse 14, he said, it will be a well of water springing up in you, unto eternal life. So one of the analogies is, is that the Holy Spirit will be like the kitchen faucet. How many of you have a kitchen faucet? How many of you took a drink of water out your kitchen faucet this morning? How many of you went at any time and you, and you turned the tap and water comes on? You paid your bill, all that kind of stuff, right? Well, that's the Holy Spirit in you. He's a source in you. And I'm going to walk down and see because it's important for you to understand. So this is what that means. This is what that will produce in you. Because the Spirit lives within you, 
The following things are available to you. I say this, they're the job description of the Holy Spirit because He's in you. In chapter 14, verse 26, it says, But the Helper, meaning the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, it says this, He will teach you all things. How cool is that? So one of the things you can expect because the Spirit lives within you is He's going to teach you how many things? Y'all hey, not playing nice with me now. How many things? All things. Isn't that cool? He'll help you at work. He'll teach you stuff all the time. All things. It goes on, it says, and he will bring to your remembrance the things that I have said unto you. Hallelujah. I tell our church people all the time that I have the privilege of pastoring, and you saw a little bit of it this morning, and they'll see me at times, and all of a sudden, just Bible comes out of my mouth. Because, you know, I didn't memorize any of that. That was the Holy Spirit doing the job on the inside that he said he would do. He will bring to your remembrance what was written down. Isn't that cool? So you can expect that he will bring the word of God to your mind. Amen. Keep going. Go over to chapter 15, verse 26. This is all the spirit within you, the first work of the spirit, because you believe. Verse 26, but when the helper comes, again the Holy Spirit, whom I will send from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, it says this, he will testify of me. So one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is he's going to constantly tell you who Jesus is in your life. Isn't that awesome? Now you don't have to raise your hand on this question. It's rhetorical. How many of you messed up since last Sunday? <laughs> My son raises his hand. That's awesome. And you got spanked for that one, didn't you? Yeah, you did. And so, but you made a mistake, right? You've done something. And that voice of the Spirit of God comes up and says, remember, Jesus forgave you. He's your forgiver. He's forgiven you. Amen. Or again, maybe you've been tempted to be afraid in all the craziness of 2020. He comes up and he says, remember, I mean, this came out of my mouth the other day to somebody. They said, how are you doing? I said, well, you know, Jesus is my mask. Never thought about that or said that before. It just came out and they go, I like that. I said, yeah, I do too. I never thought about that before. <laughs> but see, that's him testifying. It's the Spirit of God. He'll testify to you of who Jesus is in your life. Amen. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That's the spirit within you. Jump on down to chapter 16, verse 13. It says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, it says he will guide you into all truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. He will guide you into all truth. It says this, he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. The spirit within you, it says that the Holy Spirit, he doesn't speak on his own. He hears from Father God and then he tells you what Father says. 
because he lives on the inside of you. And it says he'll show you things to come. Keeps coming back to me. I'll give you this example again. We have the privilege, my wife and I, of pastoring a new little church here in the North Jefferson area with you guys. And we have a church member who, who is there. And, and, you know, the church member, I'm sure, Red, you might get this sometimes from folks. They'll, Pastor Brad, I need you to pray for me. I can't tell you what. <laughs> right? I can't tell you what. And I'm learning. Now, I'm, I'm growing in all this like you are. And I'm learning. And I said, and I, normally I used to kind of be mean to people. And he's helped me a lot. And now I sit there and say, okay, fine. I'll pray in the Spirit. Because he'll tell me things. So this person that went on and said, I'm praying for you. And this is all going to, I love text now, because who knew you could do Holy Ghost stuff in text, right? He, li he likes text. Amen. But as there, I start praying for this church member. And the Lord, and now again, I'm trying to think of how much for confidence to, to, to say is, but the Lord showed me what was going on in this person's life, right? Showed me what they were being tempted with and what was in front of them. Now, it's one of those things where, again, I'll just be transparent about myself. It was one of those things where I go, God, I am not telling that person this. <laughs> I said, because this is like one of those ones, you know, when we pastored in Canada, we had a gentleman in the church who walked up to one of the ladies and said, so I prophesied that you're going to have a baby boy. And she goes, no, I'm just fat. <laughs> Yeah, those are all great counseling sessions right there, right? How do you sit people down? But it's kind of those things. What God showed me was kind of like that. I'm like, God, because I can be wrong, and this is one of those I can't be wrong here, right? I, I, this is one of those where I'm going to pray, I'm going to listen. I believe it's accurate. Well, it came out that that's exactly the Lord showed me what was going on. Hallelujah. Because he'll show you things. He'll speak and he'll talk. I mean, come on, parents, if you're here, he'll tell you. He'll show you. That's the spirit within you. Does this make sense? This is how you can expect this to happen in your life. You can expect this to come into you, right? Now, again, some of y'all look at me funny. You know, whenever God shows somebody something that you're, you're tempted with, normally, A, like this, he shows your pastor. He's not going to show somebody necessarily just walk up out of the... And randomly, so I'm not looking out here, and I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing anybody's anything. I just want to, because some of y'all look kind of nervous right now. <laughs> but he might show Pastor Red, because Pastor Red loves you. I encourage you to pastor supernaturally. Takes a lot of the pressure off. But I can expect it, because that's the spirit within. Does this make sense? You can expect it. It's the spirit within. It's the first work of the spirit. It, it goes on. It says in verse 14, he will glorify me. He will take of what is mine, and he will declare it to you. That echoes what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and around verse 9. And it says this, but it is written, I has not seen, nor is ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10 says, but God has revealed these things to us through the Spirit. 
For the Spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man that is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Isn't that cool? See, that's the Spirit within. Did you know God has things prepared for your life that He wants you to know? Things just for you? His plans for you, his purposes for you, the things he wants you to pursue, the things he has for you to do in this earth that's yours, that he's prepared for you, the good works, Paul said, that he's prepared for you. And the spirit within will tell you what that is. You can expect it and should expect it. And that's just the first work. But there's a second work. And that's the one your pastor's leading you into. The second work is the Spirit when He comes upon you. Remember I said that in the first work, Jesus said, it will be like a well of water coming up and servicing your house, your personal life. But the second work, Jesus said, it will be like a river of water flowing out of you. Amen. Let's get this reference down. Go to John chapter 7. Is this okay? Everybody doing all right? I mean, I understand that the heart can only receive what the backside can endure. How's everybody's backside doing? Everybody doing all right? Okay, good. I always monitor your backside. Amen. So if you need to wiggle around a little bit to receive more, just wiggle around. Amen. John chapter 7 and verse 37. John chapter 7. Is that right? Yeah. It says here, it says, And on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he cried out and he said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So the second work of the Spirit is he desires to flow out from you. Now we all understand, right, that a river is public property. Your faucet in the kitchen is private property. I just can't necessarily come into your house without your permission and take a drink from your... If you woke up in the middle of the night and I was standing there, I might get shot, right? Amen. You might, and you might actually shoot first and then find out, oh, it was Brad. Sorry about that, Brad. <laughs> Amen. But a river, that's public property. You know that the Spirit of God wants to be a river that flows out of you for the world around you to come and take a drink from. That's what we call the baptism of the Spirit. And it has operations. It has things that happen with it. Go to Acts again. Go to two places. Go to Acts chapter 2. Or actually Acts chapter 1. And then go to Luke chapter 4. Hmm. Acts chapter 1, verse 4, and it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, this is speaking of Jesus, 
that Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. And everybody read the next four words. What are they waiting for? Say it one more time. Everybody's done. Come on, get you used to talking. Amen. Can I just, uh, again, y'all real quiet in here now. Got to get used to not being quiet anymore. Understand me. Say it one more time. It's the promise of the Father. Say it out loud. Say the promise of the Father. Listen to me. How many of you know that all the promises of God are yes and amen? Amen. The Holy Spirit and what we're about to talk about is the promise of the Father for your life. So it's yes and amen. So does God want every believer to have the baptism of the Spirit? Why? Because it's the promise of the Father. Amen. Praise God. He wants that for you. I mean, again, because one of the things we've done, unfortunately, in Pentecostal circles is we've made people feel like if I don't have this, I'm a lesser than Christian. And you're not. Most of the times, it's just you've never been taught. No one's ever told you. That's for you. Amen. You're getting real quiet now. Is for you. This is the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard for me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, again, just to make sure a distinction, if you go to John chapter 20, at the end of that Gospel of John, at the resurrection, Jesus appears. He does one of those Holy Ghost moments where he walks through the wall and scares all the disciples, <laughs> right? And he goes, calm down, don't freak out, it's just me. And then it says, he blew upon them and said, receive you the Holy Spirit. That account in John chapter 20 was he did the first work of the Spirit. That's when they were born again. That's when he blew upon them and they received regeneration and salvation. And then he turns around and says, now wait, there's another one coming. Do y'all see that? He says, okay, here I've resurrected from the dead. Touch my body. See me. This is what I told you I would do. Now receive the spirit of regeneration. Receive the Holy Spirit within. But wait, there's another work coming. And the reason why they had to tarry is because it wasn't Pentecost yet. It had to happen at a certain time. Your pastor, I was listening to your message last week, which was a great job. He talked to you about the seven feasts of Jerusalem. The seven feasts of the Jewish calendar. Uh, the word in the Hebrew language for that feast is the Hebrew word called moed. Better translated for us into English, it means dress rehearsal. Everybody been a part of a church play before and you went to the dress rehearsal? That's what God set up in Israel is seven annual dress rehearsals where they were practicing what Jesus would do. So the reason why they had to wait is it wasn't the day of Pentecost. You and I, we no longer have to wait. Because that was the other thing we used to tell people erroneously is, well, you just got to tarry. Any good old Pentecostal folks came around, right? And they were told to tarry. Wait. You don't have to wait anymore. Amen. It's here. It's for now. But they had to wait because Pentecost hadn't come. But notice, and it'll jump on down to verse 8. It says, but you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that you would be made a witness for me. Amen. So the second work, the work of Jesus that comes upon, and hey, now listen, this doesn't bother me at all. Amen. Just keep going. Amen. We don't get distracted. Can I just help you with that? Just a little bit of pastoring in here. You know, we do different stuff. I tell my kids, signs of immaturity is that children are easily distracted. Signs of maturity is I don't get distracted real easy because I'm a mature person. Amen. So as we grow in things, beep and buzz, and I tell my people all the time, you, you've never been interrupted preaching until you have a little boy come up and pee on the altar. <laughs> and that happened to me when we lived in Mexico. A little kid came up and just started going to the restroom right on the altar right next to me. And I mean, that'll be distracting. <laughs> Amen. So you learn how not to get distracted in God, right? Because again, and I say that in different things because uh, remember the devil has not weapons of mass destruction. He has weapons of mass distraction. And if he can get you distracted, he'll get your eyes off of Christ and his work in your life. Right? Because if, if he can't keep you from God, he will try to distract you from God. Amen. So please, I just say that's all extra free and all that kind of fun stuff too. But the second work of the Spirit is a work of power to turn you into a witness. To transform you into a witness. But a witness of what? A witness of the truth of a resurrected Jesus. Hallelujah. To turn you into a witness that Christ is alive and well and he still saves, and he still heals, and he still performs miracles, and he still does signs, and he still does wonders in your life. So just as much as I, and that's why I wanted to read, hey, this is what you can expect when he comes within you. You can expect to be guided. You can expect to be taught. You can expect to have him tell you things and show you things that God has done and will do. But the baptism that he wants you to have, the promise of the Father when he comes upon you, you can now expect this. It says, you will be given dunamis power, which means miracle working power, sign and wonder performing power. Hallelujah. Prophesying and declaring word of God power. And you can expect it and should. Now y'all got super quiet on me now. Come on. Just happened. We were, we were working this Friday. We're just the other day we were working at a house. And I kind of do what Red does, but he just does it better than I do. Amen. And, and we're working and doing stuff. And we're serving this family. And all of a sudden, this whole troop of little kids from next door come running over to the house. And they're crying. And they're, and they're Mr. Robert, Mr. Robert, Mommy's having a heart attack. And literally, the mom next door who's by herself, she's going through having some pains in her chest. And the guy I'm working with runs over. And well, again, on this kind of stuff, I'm just working, right? And in that kind of case, they're not paying me to pastor. They're paying me to build a basement. But as I'm standing there, still hanging sheetrock, that inward nudge that's so familiar to me goes, why are you still standing here? <laughs> it's just this, go, go pray. And I said, well, I need to go next door and pray for her. 
runs as a half mile down the road. So I got to get in my car and I go over there. And we pray for her. And just this simple prayer stops. About the time we say amen and leave, fire truck shows up. They check her out. Oh, she's all good. Hallelujah. Yep. Come on, y'all. But that's not just me. I mean, we preachers stand up here and try to tell you this story. You know why I try to tell you that story? Because I want you to expect it in your life. I want you to believe God that that's going to happen for you. Because that's why he wants to baptize you with fire. That's why he wants to baptize you in the spirit is because there's a river that he wants to flow out of you. A river of healing. A river of resurrection a river of life, a river of provision that he wants to flow out of you into your world. Guys, you are a source of the very life and the kingdom of God for your world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Expect it. Amen. Here, I told you to go to Luke chapter 4. How many of you would agree with me that Jesus is our example? May I say amen? amen? Jesus is our example. Luke chapter 4. And to kind of set the backstory up, Jesus is baptized by John. Right? And it says, and when he came, and it's in Luke chapter 3, if you back up, it says in verse 21, and when the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized in water. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended from heaven like a dove upon him. Did you know that Jesus was also baptized in the Holy Spirit? That that day in, in, in the water, Jesus went through two of the baptisms you go through. He was baptized in water. And when he came up, he was baptized in the Spirit. And the Spirit of God came upon him like it wants to come upon you. And so it says, so Jesus then being filled with the Spirit, chapter 4, verse 1, he returned and he went from the Jordan and he was led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So what can you expect when the baptism of the Spirit comes upon you? You can expect to defeat all temptation. <laughs> oh, come on now, I'm getting excited. Because the very first thing that happened to Jesus is he stands up out of the water and he goes into the wilderness and the devil tries to get him to do what the first Adam did. And Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, defeated all temptation. Do you know in your life, by the power of the Spirit that comes upon you, can defeat all temptation? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you see the spirit within Jesus do the same thing that it'll do for you. When that temptation comes, Jesus three times said, it is written. The Holy Spirit reminded him of what was written in the word. And Jesus took that word and filled his mouth with it and defeated the devil. Hallelujah. Amen. Guys, you never have to. We said it last time. You never have to be bothered by temptation ever again. It may come. But the Holy Spirit upon you will just go, hey, it's written. I don't have to do that no more. I'm free from that sin. It is written. 
Amen. I will serve the Lord and him only shall I obey. Praise God. Amen. And then it goes on from there. So then Jesus comes back in verse 14. It says, and so then Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee and news of him began to go about all the region. And he stands up in the synagogue that day and he goes to scripture again and he quotes famously Isaiah chapter 61. Amen. I have been anointed by the Holy Spirit. Amen. To set at liberty those who are bound to deliver those. I will for time's sake we won't read through the whole thing. So Jesus again is reminded by the Spirit, the Word of God, and then he preaches it. Pastor Ed, you know you're not the only preacher in this house. Actually, can I say it like this? You're the pastor. All of your people are the preachers. I told my people a long time ago, amen, I am not your preacher. I can be your pastor, but you are God's preacher. So you can expect the same thing when the baptism comes upon you, you're going to find yourself... Just like Jesus, he's going to show you scriptures and he's going to give you an audience. <laughs> Amen. He's going to show you things in the word and you're going to turn around over the next few days and there's going to be somebody that needs to hear that word. And you get to preach and open up the scriptures and declare them to them. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what the baptism of the spirit wants to do. It moves on from there. It says... Uh, he preaches and he talks about all that in verse 31. It says, Then he went and he cast out an unclean spirit by the power of the Spirit. You know, Mark chapter 16, at the end of that book, it says this it says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. And those that believe in my name, they will do some things. Let's go read that real quick. Don't want to just quote it. Mark chapter 16. And it says in verse 15, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. He that is not believed will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. It says, in my name they will, say it with me, say it out, got a good loud, you're going to, in his name you're going to, in his name you're going to take up snakes and anything that Pastor Red was joking, that doesn't mean necessarily in church, although that's where some of our family get that idea from. Amen. But things will happen to you like happened to the Apostle Paul. Around Acts chapter 28, they were shipwrecked on an island. And Paul gathered up a bundle of sticks and put it on the fire. And a viper shot out from that bundle of sticks and bit Paul on the hand. And it says, and the people of that island looked. And this was the thoughts of the people. This dude must be doubly bad because he didn't die in the shipwreck. And this dangerous snake bites him. So he, he's supposed to die. Amen. He's, he's destined to die. And Paul looks at a snake, shakes it off, and keeps on going. And it says, and they watched him for the space of a few hours, expecting him to swell up and kill over. And when he didn't, 
They said, a God and an angel dwells among us. If I can liberate us for a little bit to realize there's so much of the power of heaven inside of you that snakes, viruses, bacteria, disease, nothing can attach itself to your life-filled body. Do you understand? There was a man, an old, old man named John G. Lake. I don't know if you've ever heard of John G. Lake, an apostle out of South Africa. And in the nation where he was called to, the bubonic plague broke out when he was there. And he went into the hospital and he said, put the live virus in my hand. And they looked at it under a microscope, verified it was living. He put it in his hand. He closes his hand and he curses it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He opens his hand. They look at it again and it's dead. See, church, this, this verse has a whole lot to do because there's a snake running around in our culture called COVID-19. And people are running scared. But here, because of the power that is going to come upon you, you can take up deadly things. And it will not hurt you. Amen. Come on now. You can expect this. You can expect this. To go and to be with people and pray with people. Amen. Jesus is continuing here in Luke chapter 4. Amen. It goes on and it says, From there, under the power of the Spirit, he healed Peter's mother in law and rose her up. I love, I jokingly always say, he didn't even ask Peter for permission, just healed her anyway. <laughs> didn't ask Peter, Do you like your mother in law? He just healed her. Amen. Guys, come on. I, I say that. Understand, Jesus walked around by the power of the Spirit. Jesus healed ten lepers. Only one came back to be a disciple. But that didn't stop Jesus from healing all ten. It went on from there and he cast out more demons. He healed people on the Sabbath. Hey Amen. He, he preached the kingdom of God with such authority that they didn't know where it came from. It came from the spirit that was upon him. Guys, see, the, the baptism of the spirit, the reason why, and, and I'm closing with this to under, that I want, and your pastor wants you to desire this so much is because the baptism on your life will transform you into a witness of the resurrected Jesus Christ. See, even though I love tongues and I love the gift of being able to speak in tongues, the baptism of the Spirit is more than tongues. We've made the baptism of the Spirit all about just speaking in tongues sometimes. And it's wonderful, please hear me, it's there and it's for you and it's needed and your pastors unpacked why you need it last week. But the desire of the promise of the, of the Father is so that you will be literally like was said of the Christians, you will be a little Christ. You know that's what the word Christian means, right? It means you're just a little Christ. 
Do you understand that when they first called the believers Christians, that was a derogatory term. They didn't mean it in a good way. But they couldn't deny the fact that all these people walked around and they were just like Jesus. Teaching, preaching, healing, casting out demons, prophesying, declaring the wonderful works of God. Amen. All those stories in the book of Acts of the times of the baptism came. That's why you want it. Is because it will empower you to bring life to your world. Amen. Amen. Can anybody that plays the piano, can y'all play the piano, whoever that is? That's you, sis. What's your name? Anna. Anna. Thank you, Anna. I appreciate that. Hala kurahitana neimana nanshibigaitanimanangi. 